Okay, welcome to Culture Class Podcast, uh, the podcast where we get to talk to interesting people from different backgrounds, uh, get to learn about other cultures in a unique and casual way. Uh, my name is Nosa Iyari and welcome to another episode. I have yet another guest with me today, uh, Alicia Page. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And uh, sorry for coming. Did I come late? I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't watching the clock. I mean, we're supposed to meet at three, but you came 15 minutes earlier. Yes. Uh, so I had to rush down to get here uh, just to meet up with you, I think, at three or three or two or something. Uh, but we're here doing the podcast. Yeah. So far, so good. How's your weekend going? So far, so good. Yeah. Just like the podcast. Um, pretty relaxing, feeling, hanging out with some friends here and there, but also spending some me time, resting, catching up on sleep. Oh, okay. What is, okay, me time is uh, sleeping and just chilling at home. Yeah, I've got a couple cats at home. Nice. Relaxing at home, sleeping. I like to watch YouTube videos. Nice. Uh, yeah. What kind of videos do you watch on YouTube? Uh, Sometimes educational, but sometimes it's just looking at people living their lives. Yeah, I mean, YouTube is like a wormhole, right? Sometimes yeah. you just start watching one video and before you know you're watching cats doing backflips and stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, for me, it's almost like reality TV. It's uh, you know, you start to get to know people's lives and then you get to know their friends' lives and things like that. So true. I, I find that interesting. True, true, true. Speaking of cats, the the Lion King came out what yesterday? Oh yeah. Was it yesterday or uh, Friday? Friday yeah, sometime this week. Mm-hmm. And uh did, did you uh do the thing with your cats? Like the Simba thing? I, I think <laughs> I do every time I adopt a kitten, probably. So oh, wow. So you, wait, you adopt kittens? You, usually, I uh, yeah, I've had a few cats over the years, um, but uh, for instance, my oldest cat is 13. I got him when he was probably only about five weeks old, and I'm pretty sure I did the Simba thing several times. <laughs> several times. He looks like a little lion. So. Gotcha, gotcha. So, so, so I live in Georgetown, right? And there's, um, what would I call it? I almost feel like calling it a cat bar, but I'm not sure what it is. Cat cafe. Cat yeah. Cafe, yeah. yeah, that's it. It's like the first time I saw it, and I mean, my podcast listeners know I'm from Nigeria, I'm mm-hmm. African, and we don't really have things like that where I come from. And I just you know, saw this place where people came in with their cats, and like, but we have like some a few places where you can take your dogs to, like open spaces, mm-hmm. but they are really, really, really few, almost non-existent. But we don't have anywhere for cats. Yeah, and that was my first time. Uh, yeah, I actually haven't been to one. I wanted to go to the one in Georgetown, but you need an appointment apparently but they're not um, really yeah they're not very common here yet i don't think they're very common in japan from what i understand oh uh but they're starting to pop up here and there so i do want to make it out to one so wait you need like an appointment but if your cat is like a celebrity maybe your cat (laughs) appears in one (laughs) or two movies (laughs) probably if you have a celebrity cat um but yeah i think i think they have like uh adoptable pets there that you can go and, and visit with but I don't know. I'm not supposed to support them. So. What, what's the process of adopting an animal? Would you go to a shelter, especially a cat, because dogs are pretty common, right? How do yeah. you adopt a cat? It's it's the same um, process. So I just did this with a friend of mine. We went down to the Animal Welfare League of Arlington, which is the shelter down there. Um, and, you know, you just get to meet various animals. They have uh, dogs and cats. They have a couple of other animals, uh, like rabbits, birds. Um, but you, oh, just, you can adopt a bird? Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, and you just kind of, you hang out with them. You, you find the one that you connect with. And, and then it's just a matter of doing paperwork and paying the fee. And, and then, of course, you, you have to go and buy it all of the things that, it's, that it needs. And usually when you adopt from a shelter, then... You know, they have all of their their initial vet appointments and then the spay and neuter uh, surgery done. But when I adopted my first cat, uh, he was abandoned. So I had to start from scratch, take him to the vet, get him the surgery and all of that. Wow. How much did all that cost? Hundreds. <laughs> Is it more expensive than buying a cat? Yeah. yeah a wow. lot more because you're, you have to pay for surgery and things like that. So adopting uh, is a lot more cost effective. Yeah. Usually probably like $150. Gotcha. Gotcha. 
Okay, cool. Learn, learning, learning something new. <laughs> learning something new every day. And I reached out to Alicia on um, Instagram, mm-hmm. and I was trying to, you know, uh, engage with her and tell her what we do here on the podcast, uh, trying to, like, find out about other cultures and stuff. And the first thing she said was that, oh, she doesn't know if she's, like, the ideal candidate because mm-hmm. you haven't traveled too much. And uh, are you multilingual? Somewhat. Uh, my family likes to believe that I'm fluent in Spanish, okay. uh, but I, I struggle with it sometimes. It comes and goes. Um, the more I practice it, the better I am at speaking it. My mother's family is Mexican, mm-hmm. so um, so that side of my family is bilingual. Um, but yeah, I haven't traveled a ton, but I've lived all over the country. It's gotcha. Military brat. Gotcha. And, and when I sort of like did a little bit of digging, I still found out that, wow, you have an interesting story to tell. Because uh, um, from what we're discussing uh, before the episode, um, you're pretty much from a multicultural yes. family. You have a multicultural background. So give us a breakdown of your family okay. tree. Because <laughs> I, I did some research, but I'm not sure I even got down to like yeah. the crux of it. I don't even know that I've understood it fully. Man, <laughs> I mean, man. Yeah, so just to kind of break down um, kind of just the, the cultures in my family, uh, it kind of goes back to... Uh, when I was born, um, I was born, like I said, my mother's Mexican. Uh, my biological father, I've never met. He, uh, he was Caucasian. When I was about a year old is when my mom met my dad. Um, he was technically my adoptive father, but you know, I call him dad. Of course, he raised me since I was a baby. Mm. So dad was born in Korea. His uh, mother's Korean and his dad, his dad is black. So interesting. Yeah. So and your dad is how old? He is. Oh, I hope if he hears this, I think he just turned fifty. A very young parent. Okay. So that just put it painting the picture like your grandmother and grandfather on that side were black and Korean yes. in like the fifties or sixties. Uh, yeah, like in the sixties. Sixties. Sixty-eight is when he was born, and his dad uh, was also in the military. When you say black, where is your grandfather from? So we don't know. Um, of course, just just kind of as much as I guess most Black Americans, you know, don't know much about about their origins back in Africa. So we don't know. But but we, you know, they they've always identified as very American. So. Oh, so he's African American. Yes, your grandfather. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Are your grandparents still alive? Um, my grandmother on, on my father's side is still alive. Uh, my grandfather passed away in 2010. And where did they live? Did they live in Korea? Um, I believe he was stationed there uh, before we, when my dad was born. But they come from Denver, from Colorado. Denver. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. And what about your birth uh, father? I know you said you didn't meet him, but um, is he uh, still around? He's not alive. I, uh, I actually connected with uh, with my half-sister and half-brother on that side um, about a year or two ago. So he passed away about 11 years ago of cancer, so I hadn't gotten a chance to meet him. But I have spoken, like I said, to my brother and sister on that side. Don't, but I don't know a ton about, about his background. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. So how close, I guess, uh, I'll ask you, what side of the family are you closest to? I, I Maybe I'll guess your mom's side? Probably. Um, you know, growing up, we did spend a lot of time um, here, here and there with my dad's side of the family, uh, mostly on my paternal grandfather's side. Okay. Um, and, you know, especially when we were spending time there in Colorado, we lived there at times. And, uh, and then, of course, we would visit. Um, my mother's side of the family is, is a very large family. And so they are located largely in uh, Colorado and the Denver area and then also in Oklahoma. So we do we get to see them a good bit, you know, as we travel across the country. Oh, okay. So there there's no need to like uh, maybe go back to visit and your mom's from Mexico, right? Originally. Originally. Yeah, she, we don't travel back there really. Um, you know, she was born there but she they moved here when she was I think three years old, a very young age. And you recently took a DNA test? Yes. I, I haven't gotten the results back yet, um, but I, I did uh, decide to partake in 23andMe. So those results, I'm hoping to get back this coming week, if I'm lucky. 
What's the process of taking a DNA test? You go online, uh, you put in your information. What's it, it like? Was, it was really easy. They, uh, I just ordered, they send you a kit and it's a little uh, a vial, a tube. Yeah. Uh, you spit in the tube and okay. then, um, and then you know, ship it off to, to their facility. And then they, uh, have, they compile this long report that not only tells you where your genetics trace back in terms of geography, but also a lot of things about health and, and you know, your proclivities to certain, um, not only conditions and diseases, but also just character traits like phobias and stuff like Isn't that. Isn't that scary? Because I don't want to know what. <laughs> so it is a little bit, um, but I, I do want to know, and part of it too is not having met my biological father. There is part of me that wants to know a little bit about not just the health and medical side, but also genealogy. You know, where where do my genes come from? So that part I think will be interesting. Yeah, that should be pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's unfortunate uh, you didn't, you know, like get the result before recording the episode, but yeah. uh, maybe I'll, you that know, follow up. Well. No, it's fine. It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I didn't know you were doing that. I just saw it, you know, on Instagram. I thought it would be interesting. So maybe what we'll do is uh, we'll follow up on you to see. Yeah. And as much as you want disclosed, we can just like go back and edit the show notes uh, or sure. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very open books. I'm happy to, to kind of share those results. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. cool. So, um, sorry, before we continue, um, if you're listening to this, regardless of the platform, do me a favor, just uh, screenshot your screen, whether you're listening on SoundCloud or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, just take a screenshot of your screen and post it on your Instagram stories or your WhatsApp stories. Either one of those two is fine, uh, just to help us like spread the word about the podcast and things like that. So, Alicia. Yes. Let's talk about your family a little bit. How was it like growing up uh, to parents from two different backgrounds? How was that like? Uh, well, it's it's all I know, <laughs> so it's it's hard to find a gauge to compare to. But I would I would honestly say that we growing up had a very kind of all American upbringing, mm. with of course that that little twist of, of Mexican culture, um, especially when we visited my mother's family. In never. I'm sorry? In Denver. Um, in Denver, but um, also, like I said, uh, some of my family moved out to Oklahoma. Some, uh, I think my grandmother uh, still lives in Texas. So um, kind of just like in the middle of the country. So it was easy to visit with them, especially when we would make a move across the country. But uh, yeah, my, my father uh, is a Marine. So we, he was active duty in the U.S. Marine Corps. And uh, we lived in several states. And just kind of got to experience, honestly, different cultures across the country, you know, as far west as Hawaii for three years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so very cool. And, you know, like I said, very American upbringing. Uh, we really, for the most part, only spoke English in our household. That's, uh, dad never learned Spanish. Um, so. What other languages does he speak, your dad? He speaks he speaks English and, and his own quirky dad language. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like? Dad jokes? Dad jokes. Okay. Yeah, What's the yeah. best dad joke? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to get I'm gonna have to think of one. He's, he's a character. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean we pretty much a friend told me that I might have to start learning dad jokes because pretty soon I'll be a father too. So, oh really? Yes. Yeah, so, no like I don't like no one's pregnant by oh. me. I'm just saying time wise. Yeah, I turned thirty uh two months ago, so you know Happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. So maybe in the next five years or whatever, you know, pretty soon. So uh, I have to like kinda of write down all these jokes to embarrass my daughter at a school and all that stuff. Oh, I feel like it's I feel like it's something that happens naturally. Uh, but I've never been a dad, so I don't know. <laughs> I'm not qualified to say. Gotcha, gotcha. And your your dad was majorly stationed in the U.S. Was he ever stationed abroad for a few times? No, he. Uh, growing up, he was. He uh, his family lived abroad in Germany, um, and then I, I believe after uh, living in Germany is when he moved back to the United States and he enlisted in the, in the military. Mm. Um, and then from there, and of course, he met my mom at that time. Met me. Um, and then from there, we kind of started our journey across all around the country. Oh, okay. And uh, how many siblings do you have? I have, I'm the oldest of four. 
Um, so I have, I have one sibling that has passed away. I have two living. Um, and one of uh, my sister lives in Virginia. My brother lives in Colorado where my dad lives right now. And my mom is in Georgia. So we're all spread out. Yeah, like pretty spread. I was, I was about to ask them, did you, how you, you know, came out to the East Coast, uh, to D.C., and how long you've been living there? Yeah. Um, so... When I so when I was about fifteen, we got stationed in Southwest Georgia. So um, that's when we moved from California out here to the from the West Coast to the East Coast. And from so I finished out high school three years of uh, three years there in Georgia. From there, I spent a year in Boston at MIT, um, and then I decided that I wanted to be closer to my family uh, back in Georgia. My mom and and, uh, and my siblings were still in Georgia. So I finished out school at Georgia Southern. Um, and so from there, once I graduated, the job market was not great uh, where I was. But my dad was up here in the DMV area. He was in uh, Virginia. And and so I decided to make the move up to the DMV where the job market was better. Um, and just kind of uh, over the course of time, just started moving closer and closer into D.C., um, until 2011 is when I actually moved to D.C. proper. So I've been here for about eight years. Gotcha. I actually got admitted in Georgia Southern. So I think I got like four offers or something like that. I can't mm-hmm. remember. Well, but I decided to come to AU. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I got admitted. Me and my good friend, Victor, uh, Victor Obi, uh, he went to Georgia Southern. I think he's in Savannah. Uh-huh. Uh, so, so, yeah. Um, it's... The, the the little town where Georgia Southern is is about forty five minutes from Savannah. From Savannah. Yeah, Savannah is oh, okay. a very cool city. Gotcha. Uh, my little college town, not much was going on there, but I had a good time. Yeah, but from what I can tell, because I reached out to a couple of students who are there right now trying to make my decision, and mm-hmm. it almost seems like there are a bunch of Nigerians and Africans in general going to Georgia Southern. Mm-hmm. What was your experience like uh, attending the university? Was that a diverse student population? What was, the, what was that like? I'm not so sure that it was when I was there. Um, and, and of course, that was, I graduated almost 12 years ago. So I'm sure that a lot has changed since since I've been there. I'm sure a lot is, um, I'm sure they built up the, the town a little bit more. But I'd be interested to go back and see and visit and see what it's like now. And um, speaking about your family uh, a little bit, um, so you mentioned something a few minutes ago about uh, one of your siblings passing away. Mm-hmm. Um, when did that happen and what happened? So that was 2016. Um, it was unfortunately substance related. That is something that um, is very prevalent in my family. And I think it is hereditary to some extent. So it is, it is something that I battled with. Um, in fact, I'm coming up on seven years sober this year. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a, it's, a, it's a heavy issue, but I think it's an important one for people to know about. And I've um, kind of like experienced, let me not say experienced, I've heard about scenarios where multiple people within the same family um, have challenges with substance abuse. Um, but... What was it being the first child uh, in the family? Uh, how did you get exposed? And feel free to censor uh, whatever you want to censor. But how did you get exposed to any kind of substance? Was it when you were a kid? And uh, how how long did it go for? That kind yeah, of thing? I I think uh, I think the the common misconception, understandably too, is that you know it's usually the the wild ones that end up with with the problem. But I actually grew up. Um, in a household where my parents did not smoke cigarettes, they did not drink alcohol, nothing. Um, so we had a very clean household in that regard. Um, I didn't, I didn't engage in any sort of substances growing up. I was exposed to alcohol in college, like, you know, many, uh, like most, I, I would say are. And then from there, it became very apparent that it was something that I, could not get a handle on over, you know, over the course of, as I uh, entered my 20s, it turned out that I realized that this is something that I couldn't uh, have in moderate amount. So, alcohol in particular? Yes, it was alcohol for me. Was it 
friends and parties kind of thing or it was like a relationship uh, where you were influenced by like a boyfriend or something like that um i mean it's a little bit of both and a little bit of everything um you know we georgia southern is is known for being a party school though my my friends were not big partiers though you know we did have exposure to that um and and of course you know the relationship i was in he, he had exposure to it as well his friends as well so, you know, of course, for the most part, my friends, you know, had a very normal relationship with alcohol, and, uh, and I uh, did not. I, I found later, at first, you know, I seemed like everybody else, and then, like I said, over time, I realized that I had a very different relationship with the substance. Yeah. And how did you come to kick in uh, that behavior? Yeah, that's tough. So, you know, um, over the years, I, you know, tried different at different points in my life to, you know, kick it, so to say, in, in different ways. But in terms of, of kind of kicking it for good, I actually went to an inpatient treatment center um, in Maryland back in 2012. And I, I'd love to say that that is where I got clean and sober for good. Um, I didn't. But uh, shortly after leaving the rehab center that I went to, I admitted myself to Sibley Hospital. To get detox, I spoke to a social worker there that really kind of, uh, I don't know if I just had a, a light bulb moment. Um, I did speak to a social worker there that really just kind of explained recovery to me in terms that were very digestible to me. And I, 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 I like I said, it might have just been a light bulb moment, but I realized that I had a lot going for me and I had a lot to live for that if I didn't, I, I had a, it was kind of at a juncture in my life where I could either, you know, get a hold of this thing and, and embrace recovery and maintain those things that I had. I had a great job, a great apartment, a great cat that I've mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, or I could, you know, continue going down this path of, of self-destruction and, and really lose that all. And at that point is where I had kind of had that glimmer of hope. And, and then, of course, I have my faith and that um, that helped get me kind of on the right path towards recovery. And so here I am almost seven years later. Seven years. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. you know, it's, it's funny you say this. And this is one thing I also experienced coming to the U.S. Um, when people have challenges with non-conventional uh, illnesses, um, so be it uh, substance abuse or mental illness or, you know, things like that, there are structures in place to try to help address that like you mentioned inpatient centers like um, rehabilitation facilities therapists things like that you can and i was talking about this a few episodes ago with my friend Khalees. where i come from like if it's not a conventional ailment like malaria or something mm -hmm. then every other thing is considered like spiritual and mm -hmm. they'll most parents or most family members would try to use religion sure. and not science or psychology in a way. And I've seen lots of cases where that was made worse. So um, I just, you know, sometimes when I look at it, I almost consider people here in the U.S. just having access to those kinds of things mm -hmm. to be a tad more um, lucky, maybe in a way. But you also mentioned leveraging religion in a way for just for people listening to listening to us in other countries mm -hmm. that maybe don't have access to these scientific uh, facilities to help out. Uh, how did you use religion, and what other ways did you um, go about um, changing? Sure. Um, I mean, so I basically for everybody, it's different who goes through uh, the recovery process. But I do think that it is, it's, it's a, it's gotta be, uh, a marriage between the sciences and faith or, uh, the spiritual side of, uh, of, of oneself. It's gotta be kind of a mixture of both. So, um, you know, of course, like I said, I went to a hospital and I've, you know, I've gone through therapy and I've, I've learned a lot about, uh, my own psyche in that, in that way. But, um, I've also had to apply, uh, the principles of Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, within that, with AA, that's an AA. organization here in the U.S. Oh, is it? I, I know that it's uh, global, but oh, it's I'm not global. sure that it's yeah. Not, of course, I'm sure not everybody has it everywhere. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's twelve step program, um, which they you know there's twelve step for almost everything these days. But it, it is actually a spiritual program. 
So really, yeah. So it's not religion. It's but it is. Um, it, it does tap into one's spiritual self, and whatever that means, that's different for each person. For me, I do have a faith in a higher power, and and for each you know alcoholic in recovery, they've got their concept of what that higher power is. Sometimes it's the universe. Sometimes that's just you know the the world at large that they are here to kind of serve and, and be better for. Okay, so just just to dive in a little bit deeper, because I'm just trying to, because uh, people might be listening to the podcast from you know different places. Uh, we have listeners from the Middle East, Southeast Asia, Africa, all that stuff. Uh, for you in particular, as much as you would like to share, what is the higher power? What faith uh, in particular? Yeah, so uh, I, I consider myself Christian, but very much um, kind of a progressive liberal form of Christianity. Um, my family, we growing up, we were Christian. We didn't go to church kind of consistently growing up. Um, but as a child, I uh, I kind of took an interest in it and kind of wanted to question what I believed and what's out there and, and what kind of motivates me. As all children do. Yeah. Well, I, I hope uh, most children do. I, um but yeah, I, I would say from a pretty young age, I took an interest in, in you know, why am I here? Kind of. So, um, and even to this day, I feel kind of that same spark in me. So, um, you know, I, I do believe in a higher power that is a, a spirit um, that I call God. And I do, I, I do believe in, in uh, looking to Jesus as, you know, a model for living my life. But within that, within that that um, that label of Christianity, I do believe in constantly questioning one's beliefs, um, even within my faith, questioning those those beliefs that I hold within my ideology, and uh, and having to be flexible and, and change what I believe depending on new information that comes in or how society changes. So it's uh, it's constantly an exercise of, of really kind of questioning yourself. Uh, but it's working for me. It keeps me going. No, it's funny you say that because I actually I'm just coming from church. Uh, I took my equipment to the to church and came straight to the interview uh, from here. So I attend Jesus House, which is in Silver Spring, Maryland, and mm-hmm. it's on the red line. Uh, and I came here, and I can connect uh, to what you're saying a little bit because growing up, um, religion, especially where I come from, is more like indoctrinated kind of so everything is kind of like all these rules mm-hmm. and that relationship um with god i wasn't really taught that it's just do this do this right. this is bad this mm-hmm. is good this is not bad and now i'm almost spending more time on learning and unpacking some of the things that were just programmed into my mind when i was younger sure. and try to see how i can you know establish that relationship with god and Jesus uh, being a Christian, but it's been difficult because you know it's something that's personal. It's between you sure. and him, and there are really not a lot of resources. There are some, but it's always like written in the perspective of someone's background, right? Okay. So, but it's just interesting to to know that you know me uh, experiencing this, I'm going through this. Uh, you are also going through some form of. Uh, that also. Yeah, and I, I also kind of grew up to, um, I think we most of us have grown up with, uh, most of us that have grown up with religion, kind of having that, like like we know it as a set of rules, and, and, and we're taught to do this and not to do that, um, and, you know, you know, at times, some of the churches I went to were very kind of what we call hellfire and brimstone. Mm, um, preach. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> where, you know, you kind of have God is an angry God. But one of the beauties I find um, in adulthood is is that, you know, my concept of God is whatever I want it to be or whatever makes the most sense to me. So um, to me, my God is, is ever loving. Um, it's, it's just a, I would, in a simple way, I would say my religion is love. And so I, I think that, you know, as long as you're coming from a place of love, I encourage people to just explore whatever, you know, whatever God means to you. you know? That's a good way to summarize it. Yeah. Like uh, it's from a place of love. And mm-hmm. if, if there was a, an abundance of love in the world, it will be a better place. Yeah. Because uh, people go to church on Sunday and Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. You know, it's a totally different person. When they drive, maybe they drive off that church lots. Mm-hmm. Like it's like a. It's a different, and you know, some religions also teach you to ostracize people from a different religion yeah. and things like that, mm-hmm. and ostracize people in general 
sure. because of some preferences they might have and things right. like that. It's just a whole thing. And most of these religions were originated so long ago that you don't even know how much filter they've passed through right. to have the information and the doctrines they have now. But I guess you said as an adult, you know, mm-hmm. we have to take it upon ourselves. And if you are seeking the truth and the right thing, you have to like go out there and you know, yeah. search for it. Yeah, and that's uh, in you know, as Christians, you know, Jesus taught us to to seek truth, and truth will set you free. So, and and we know that you know, at the forefront of it all is love. So, um, and kind of like you said, these re- religions were established so long ago, um, and you know, many people still believe in, in the fundamentals of, of you know the original churches that they come from. But my personal experience is one, like I said, that is a very progressive form of Christianity. And therefore, uh, you know, I do believe in extending love to people of all walks of life, regardless of, of, of how they live or how they may be different. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay, one last question about your sobriety. Sure. I'm sorry to, to you know, dwell on that for a no, long time. I love it. I but love what's one thing you've been able to do uh, behaviorally? Uh, what thing have you changed? Maybe. Um, I don't know, not renting a house next to a bar, having a shower twice a day, or something that you've done to also help you in your journey uh, so far the past seven years. Um, something that's helped me to kind of maintain that? Is that what yes, you? exactly. Um, so it's it's constantly, uh, it's constant introspection, mm-hmm. it, um, which, you know, and, and like I said, also the faith, and those are also tied to each other um, in ways but just learning more and more about my brain, learning more about myself, learning more about my personality, my history, and it all kind of ties together. So like mentioning the 23 and me, learning more about where I come from, um, you know, the more I kind of explore me, the more I want to kind of keep it going, you know, keep myself healthy, keep myself here. Um, but I think the most important thing is that I need to be here to serve others mm. and I cannot help others if I am destructing, um, if I'm destroying myself. So I, I would say that, that my presence here to be a service to other people is, is the number one thing. Nice, nice, nice. Okay, let's talk about your love for books. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're always reading. Uh, where do you pick that up from um, growing up? What are you reading right now? So um, right now I am. I have a few books. I'm going through. Um, I may have told you this when we were chatting over Instagram, but I don't consider myself a good reader. Um, in that I I can struggle with uh, staying focused and, and keeping on myself to continue reading. I'm not a fast reader, so you know anybody out there who struggles with it, it's still possible. It's still possible to to get through books and really to consume. Information that's really helpful. Right now, I'm reading a book called uh, "Not." I'm sorry, I believe the title is "This Is Not a Love Scene," and it's a. This is not a love scene. Yes, that was a a gift given to me, and um, it is a fictional, uh, a young adult fiction uh, story about uh, a girl from this area, from Virginia, who has a muscular atrophy disorder. And she's kind of exploring kind of love and romance for the first time. Prior to that, I was reading um, some books that I felt were really, really instrumental in kind of helping to continue my uh, self-growth, this this journey that I'm on. So I've also recently read a book called How to Be Human by Ruby Wax. That was so interesting. Sorry, can we touch on some of those titles uh, that helped out with your sobriety journey? Uh, Sure. Um, so I'd have to really kind of go back to see the look. I have a whole recovery shelf in my apartment. Um, but I will say that the, these couple of uh, books that I've recently read are, because I'm still on the journey. I'm going to be on the journey for the rest of my life. So, um, that, that book, How to Be Human by Ruby Wax, but also before that I read a book called Mentors by Russell Brand. Mentors. Yes. Russell Brand, a comedian? Yeah. So I don't think a lot of people are aware, but he writes a lot of recovery literature. Yeah, because he also has his own challenges with uh, substance abuse. I listen to his podcast once in a while. He's he's so on point, uh, very intelligent. You can tell that his brain goes a mile a minute. So that's that's something I can relate to. 
But yeah, and then, and then of course the the comedy aspect of it just makes it a little bit easier to digest. Um, and I think that the the literature he puts out is not just for those who are struggling with substance abuse and addiction issues. He he kind of uh, makes these principles relatable for everyone in everyday life. But for me, it, you know, I use it for my everyday life, but also it is very dear to that part of me that is recovering from addiction. Gotcha. And speaking of relatability, I can also relate um, to the fact that I'm also, I don't really consider myself a good reader in a sense, mm-hmm. to what degree, I don't know. Sure. Uh, but sometimes it takes me a while to finish a book also. So what I do is I read like two or three books at a time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I might be on page 16 here and page 82 there and page 63 there sure. and finish all of them in, I don't know, five months or whatever. <laughs> so, uh that's the way. And that's why I really like fell in love with podcasts and eventually started my own podcast because it's just easier when I like listen to people's stories and, you know, people talk and some podcast formats, I, you know, easily digest where you get the same information as reading a book, mm-hmm. but it's also important to also like read an actual book, uh, you know. To- yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's important and I think fewer and fewer people are doing it, um, just kind of in the digital age. Preach. People read tweets now. Yeah, yeah. And of course we're, we're constantly reading articles, right? And, and Facebook and tweets and, um, Instagram captions and all that. But, um, I, I think that there is something that's very grounding, you know, to my sanity to, to sit down in bed with a book. And to actually feel the pages and, and uh, actually read words on the page and the smell of books and all of that. So I don't ever want to, to lose that kind of, um, you know, that's something that, that we grew up with. And I hope that children continue to actually have tangible books um, as years go. Facts, facts. <laughs> and you're also, facts. <laughs> yeah, true, facts. And you're also thinking about writing the book yourself? I'm thinking about it. I uh, I have a lot of stories to tell, um, as you may have picked up on. Um, so um, I, you know, I have a couple of friends that have really encouraged me to tell these stories. I and I've been in therapy, and, and um, we've kind of discovered in therapy that what helps me is just to write and to write about my experience, to express these things. And, and again, that also goes back to my recovery. It is it is something that is healthy for me to tell my stories, to, to get these out. So I am starting to kind of put the framework together of a book that I want to write, which uh, will likely be kind of a collection of stories from my life. Gotcha. Is there a title yet? So we can maybe start marketing yeah, the book even before yeah, before you start writing it? for it uh, that may be written in the next 10 years. Uh, yeah, so the title that I've given it is Nobody in Particular. Um, mm. That's something that I came up with a couple of years ago. Um, and kind of the reason behind that name is because I, you see me walking down the street, I am just another person. You know, you, you may not know, you wouldn't stop to think that I have a certain depth to me in all of these stories. Um, some of them gut wrenching and, and very, you know, very uh, deep and personal and, and difficult struggles. And I, I firmly believe that just about anybody out here, and you probably find with your podcast, that when you take time to sit down with somebody and really get to know their stories, people have a very rich history, each person individually. So uh, when I say nobody in particular, I just mean, you know, I'm just like you. You know, we're all just kind of people that are here trying to make it in the world, you know, and, and with our own trials and tribulations. But to sit down and learn somebody's story, um, like I said, I think we're all very rich. Wow, it's amazing. That's almost a similar story to Jennifer, uh, who I interviewed yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she has this book out called Alone in the Backseat. And oh, she was just, you know, yeah, talking about how, you know, she was an only child and she was only alone. In the, she was always alone in the backseat. Oh, wow. And, you know, uh, you know, later in life, uh, when she got divorced and, uh, you know, she was going out with her friends and she was alone in the backseat also when she oh, was wow. older and just like stuck like well i'm always alone in the back seat and she yeah. turned that you know like into like a book and she's publishing a second book so cool. nobody in particular it's just interesting um to names mean a lot right yeah. like here um where i'm from names like in the literal sense like names given to people mean mm-hmm. a lot but in like 
entertainment or media or journalism not really mm -hmm. so when i grew up watching all these interviews with i don't know diddy and tupac and all these guys and they, they were asking them like how do you come about that song that album what were you thinking well like it's just the name of a song it's just an album now what's what's wrong with you guys like i never really understood but you know coming here and seeing people actually having a thought process to arriving at the name and having a whole backstory for just two words yeah. or sentence was just amazing. It's and a story in and of itself. Exactly. Yeah. And now we're starting to have that, like, in our own media space and our music. We have, like, this community of musicians called the Altair Movement, mm -hmm. which is kind of like the grunge movement in Seattle, Kurt Cobain, all those kind yeah. of guys. So it's like a counterculture kind of thing mm -hmm. that's brewing in southern Nigeria, western Nigeria. And hopefully cool. we hear more of that so more of like a, a new movement in entertainment there? yeah everyone hates them but they're, they're kicking ass <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like the Beatles you know the you you gotta be hated at first the, right the and summer of love Beatles like when they grow out their hair yeah. not the suit wearing tie wearing Beatles the yeah. other Beatles yeah, something yeah, like that. there's a certain rebellion that kind of yeah. makes a, a lasting uh, impression over yeah. time well, right. what kind of music do you listen to um, I listen to a, a pretty wide range uh, of music. I every year at the end of the year spot my Spotify tells gives you your kind of. Uh, do you use Spotify? I just started using Spotify recently because of my podcast. Oh, okay. So yeah, so um, at the end of the year, it kind of gives you a breakdown of uh, your stats. Like these are the bands that you listen to this year the most, um, and these are the this is the genre that you like. So it I didn't even know this genre. The name of this existed, but it's called indie poptimism, is what they call indie poptimism. Pop yeah. Interesting. So, uh, from what I take, what I take from that is that I tend to listen to kind of indie, in, uh, independent artists and indie sounding beats, um, but that are kind of upbeat sounding. So, um, yeah, so a lot of what I listen to is very, has a lot of, like, synthesizers. Um, oh, I think you love Alte, which is a movement I'm talking about from Nigeria. So if you listen back to this episode, just, or whoever has listened to this episode, try and search for Odunsi on Spotify. So it's O-D-U-N-S-I. Okay. Odunsi uh, and Santi also, S-A-N-T-I. Those yeah. are, like, two artists in that category. And they use a lot of synthesizers also, and it's not, like... Really high tempo and it's not really like too mellow, so sure. I think it's almost yeah. the same thing. I'd be interested to hear what people's uh, recommendations are. You know, whether you have you know comments on social media and stuff like that, I'd be interested to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, what countries are you interested in visiting? Uh, I, I feel like you make like an awesome like travel buddy or travel. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I haven't you haven't traveled abroad yet, of course. Um, you know, first on my list um, is you know my brother and I talked about uh, my brother Christopher who lives out in Colorado. We are kind of have a on the back burner a plan to to uh, travel to Spain. Oh, okay. um, at a recommendation of my father, who's been there. Better um, brush up on your Spanish, girl. I know. I know. <laughs> In fact, it was a gift from dad uh, a couple of Christmases ago. He gave us uh, Rosetta Stone uh, so we can brush up our, on our Spanish and go. But we also decided we wanted to make that uh, kind of a Euro trip. So go to London and uh, to certain parts of Spain while we're there. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd love to visit those areas. Um, I'd love to go to Japan as well. Mm. Yeah. And when, when I say Japan, because your Instagram is also has a lot of like fashion mm -hmm. um, influenced photography. Mm -hmm. And is that something you're interested in also? Fashion? Uh, yes. Um, I, in fact, I have half of a master's degree um, in fashion design. Um, what do you mean half of a master's? Meaning that I went to school for a couple of years, um, got, you know, about half of my credits. And gotcha. Was, you have yet to go back and finish that degree. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, but, yeah, I actually, about halfway through that schooling, got a degree as a personal stylist. So, and, and that's just something that's always been ingrained in me, not necessarily fashion, but kind of growing up, like I said, all across the country, you pick up influences here and there. And um, I, I don't, I, I think of myself as somebody who dances to the beat of my own drum. Or maybe even dresses to the beat of my own Yeah, drum. it shows. You guys check out our Instagram. <laughs> it shows. And it's pretty awesome. Like, I think I should introduce you to Amina. Uh, I had on the podcast. Uh, she's my in-law, my sister-in-law. Mm -hmm. And she's heavily into fashion. Um we're actually, I don't know if I can announce this, but we're, we're even thinking of doing something like a podcast for her on, oh, cool. on fashion. But yeah, she's like 
heavily influenced and if that's something you're interested in then I can link you guys up and uh, you know who, who knows yeah. but do you look do you do like fashion as a hobby or you look at like getting into into fashion so I for the most part it's a hobby at this point mm-hmm. um, I want to make sure that uh, with my creative outlets that I keep that separate from kind of my professional life Mm-hmm. I have worked with some of those smaller indie bands, um, kind of you know tying in the fashion with the music. Um, I've worked with some smaller bands with when it comes to fashion design and fashion styling um, for fun, not for not for money. Um, so it's basically something that I want to continue doing, but I don't know that I would want to do it professionally. So I kind of want to just keep it as another creative outlet. You know, I've got the writing. Uh, at times, I'll, I'll draw, and then fashion is just another one of those creative outlets for me. Oh, nice. Quick question. Yeah. Do, you, do you listen to K-pop? K-pop? I don't, um, but I did recently get exposed to it, and I have to admit that I kind of liked it. Yeah, I mean, BTS is the shit, right? It was, BT, it was BTS. <laughs> it's on always a, BTS. They were, they were on SNL, and at first I was like, really? Oh, yeah, they performed. BTS on, was on SNL. They performed on SNL. Um, I think it might have been the finale of this last season. Wow. Yeah, and I remember. I remember they came on, and I thought, okay, this is that band that the kids are going crazy about. Damn, SNL. And those guys are the new Westlife, man. The new Westlife. Yeah, I mean, oh, oh, if they're on SNL, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I knew they were on Ellen, but I never knew they were on SNL. Yeah, it was it was pretty recent. It was this last uh, season. And uh, they performed, and I was skeptical, of course, because it's you know it's what's so popular. But uh, you know the, the beats were good. I I need to go back and revisit it. I almost get a sense that you are almost like in a way part of some form of counterculture because you said because <laughs> the music wasn't was too popular, you were skeptical. So does that say? Owing to what you said about fashion also, you like to keep it like creative and as a hobby and not to go too mainstream. Does that mean you're kind of like don't like going too mainstream or kind of like anti-establishment? You prefer like indie and subcultural things? (laughs) I actually think that that is sometimes a misconception of me. I As soon as the words escaped my mouth that that's what's popular, I was skeptical. I knew that that wasn't uh, an accurate depiction. Um, I think more because it's very popular with with or at least from what my understanding, young children. So I wasn't sure that it was going to be up my alley. But no, I I, I actually, uh, I am almost counter-counterculture, if that makes oh, sense. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> I've, I've always grown up saying, you know, you like what you like. And if that's what's popular, then go for it. If that's what's unpopular, go for it. And so I like to think that I'm a mix of, of kind of both. Very mainstream, but also things that are obscure. It's just a matter of what I like. And sometimes, um, I was just talking to a friend about this too recently, sometimes I'll go out and, uh, and dance and I'll listen to some very, very popular music, you know, Drake and Fifth Harmony and the things that are that, that are very popular right now. And, and that stuff is great for dancing too. What's your favorite uh, Drake bar? Your favorite uh, Drake line? Um, my favorite Drake line? Oh, mm, that's tough. Uh, of course, Hotline Bling is always going to be. Really? Um, classic. Okay. Yeah, to dance to. Especially nice. those dancers gotcha. uh, from the music video. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I am in no way against, you know, mainstream entertainment media or, or fashion or anything like that. I just believe in picking here and there what, what I like and kind of making it my own and kind of painting this picture that is neither uh, mainstream nor counterculture. I think it's kind of just a myth. Nice, 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 nice way, nice way to put it. Um, I want to talk about your tattoos a little bit. Oh, yeah. I know you have, how many tattoos do you I, have? Let's start from there. Okay, I don't even know how many tattoos I have. Um, I started, I have a tattoo inside my lip. Oh, really? I'll show you. Let me see. Oh, we don't have a video camera. Yeah. Is that long? So it's actually, it's called an interrobang, and it's a question mark with, uh, with an exclamation point in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, you see it? yeah, yeah, I see it. Now. So, um, and a lot of times when I tell people that that was my first tattoo inside my lip, they get freaked out. Why would you do that inside your lip, your first tattoo? Oh, where are you? Uh, I, it, I was in my late 20s. It was after, once I got sober, I did. I waited until I was a little bit older to start getting tattoos and things like that. I wanted to make sure that I was getting things that are meaningful to me. Of course, that's my silliest tattoo because it's hidden, so why not? 
But was it painful inside of the lip? It wasn't. And it wasn't? That, it really wasn't. Maybe because I was expecting something that was so much more painful. But I, um, yeah, I wanted to, I thought, if I'm going to get something kind of silly, an interrobang, that question mark with, a, with an exclamation point, um, get it somewhere hidden. And I wanted to make sure that in case I couldn't handle the pain, if I had to have the, the artist stop, then nobody would know because it's hidden. So, um, but from there, I've, I've probably got somewhere around 10 tattoos or so. Um, I've got one here on my arm that is a lyric from Third Eye Blind. It says, you're guiltless and free, which I believe speaks a lot to my recovery, but also my religion. I've got a cross here on my finger. I've got uh, actually two Beatles tattoos. So you have one on your... Um, um, on the side of my on hand. The side of it, yeah. It says, let it be. Um, that is a song that I like to listen to whenever I'm feeling anxious or worked up. It kind of helps to kind of bring me back down to earth. Is that from Frozen? No. Uh, no, no, no. That's Let It Go. Oh, that's Let It Go. Look at uh, No, Let It Be is a um, a Beatles song, but also the... Are you familiar with the movie Across the Universe? That was uh, basically a musical based on their music. No, 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 no. Fantastic movie. Um, and that Across the Universe? Is it on Netflix? Probably not. Um, okay. We probably would have to rent it on either YouTube or Amazon Prime. Um, but it is a really great... It's just a beautiful movie very artistically done it's just it's gorgeous um and and of course they you know remade a lot of the, the beatles music and so the scene that i'm not going to tell you about the scene but the scene where that song plays is just very uh it's it's very deep it's very heavy and so it's it's kind of when i hear that song and i'm feeling like i said it just worked up it kind of allows me to just cry it out mm-hmm. um yeah, and so I've got uh, I've got Sanskrit on the inside of my arm that is also a, a Beatles lyric. Oh, is that Sanskrit? Yeah. You know, I thought that was that kind of looks like Ethiopian alphabets, kind of. I I know what Sanskrit. What does that mean? So um, it's a, again from a Beatles lyric uh, from from the song Across the Universe. Oh, okay. And then I believe there are different um, interpretations of it, but kind of my interpretation of it is uh, kind of glory to God and peace, sort of, uh, kind of that interpretation of it. So yeah, I've got those. I've got um, a tattoo that kind of going at my side of, of birds. And what I do is every year on the anniversary of my sobriety, I get another bird added to my side. Oh, so you have seven birds. So I, well, I'm going to get my seventh this year. Oh, okay. Uh, you know. God, given that I do make it to my seventh anniversary, which I do believe I will. So I've got six right now. When is your anniversary? What month? Um, it's October 3rd. It's actually mm-hmm. my anniversary is four days after the anniversary of my brother's death. So it almost means something. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's actually, it's almost given it more meaning to me to make it those four days. Uh, so when I do reach that anniversary and get that tattoo, it almost kind of means something a little bit more. So what, what what do you look forward to doing, say, in the next? Uh, I always like to ask ask my guests uh, before they leave. What do you look forward to doing in the future? Uh, something that we can come back to this audio recording, I don't know, five, ten years from now and say, oh, yeah, she said that, you know, a yeah, few years ago. It's oh, okay. <laughs> no one in particular. Okay. No, nobody in particular. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I want to come up with, uh, you know, a few creative projects to work on and, and I want, I want to work on something big. I think a book would be one. So that's what, that's what's in the works right now. I'm kind of taking a break right now from, from putting too much on my plate. My mother always tells me I put too much on my plate. So mm-hmm. right now I'm kind of, uh, just taking it a little bit easy, but. In five, ten years, I'd like to have something like that done. Oh, nice. Okay, so we have something called Endgame, okay. which we play at the end of the podcast. Oh, wow. It's just a game we play at okay. the end of the podcast. Um, so the nature of the podcast is to kind of like interact with people from different backgrounds okay. uh, in a casual way like we've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully get to drop one or two information that our listeners can pick up here and there. But we like to be a little bit deliberate with that. So ask you specific questions, uh, cultural questions, uh, stuff about your background. So okay. uh, it can break down some of those stereotypes and maybe inform people that didn't know okay. about those things. So are you ready? Yep. Okay, let's go. So I kind of like use the theme of your multicultural family and uh, kind of like have a question from Korea, from Mexico, uh, a question about uh, black people and a question about 
uh, white people. We just kind of like your mix. Sure. Uh, yeah, my family is a big, big melting pot. Okay, so yeah, but yeah, pretty easy question. So here's one. Do you know what the DMZ is? That's the first one. What the DMZ is? Mm-hmm. Oh, this is not an easy thing. No, I don't. Oh, no. It's, <laughs> okay, it's, let me give you a hint. It's, uh, it's relating to Korea. Mm-hmm. Let's just start that way. Okay, so the DMZ, and this might not be easy, so pardon me, maybe this was one I picked up from Wikipedia or something, <laughs> but it, it's the demilitarized zone. Okay. Uh, so Korea is like kind of like split into two, North mm-hmm. Korea and yeah. South Korea, and the border between North Korea and South Korea is like heavily guarded uh, by soldiers from North Korea, soldiers from South Korea, from the UN command, and some US troops there. So um, I promise I'm not stupid. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just <laughs> I had to Google this also. So, oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Just, I uh, don't know a ton about the the Korean side of, of my family, unfortunately. Uh, okay. Second question about Mexico. Okay. Uh, do you know the official name for Mexico? The official name for the country? Yeah, like the full name, like instead of the U.S., like the United States. I think America. I give up on this game. Uh, I only know it as Mexico. Try it. Yeah. Try it. It's okay. That's it's, El Pais. <laughs> El Pais. What's sure. that? That means country. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. What What is L? It's uh, V. It is oh. the, yeah, the article that comes before. Yeah. Oh, so El Pais kind of like the country. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. okay, okay, okay. Well, what does El Centro mean? I always go to El Centro, which is a bar in Georgetown somewhere. Uh, I believe it's a uh, central, just uh, or center. The center. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense now that I think about it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I believe that it could be a, uh, an adjective or a noun. I'm not 100. Like I said, I need to brush up on my Spanish. Oh, so, so central might not even be Spanish. Oh, yes. Is. Okay. Okay. So third question, and this one, uh, do you happen to know the most popular uh, or the country with the most Populous black population or the most populous black country in the world? Country? Mm-hmm. Um, I give up. I can't find a friend, can I? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I kind of feel like maybe if I if I had wind of your background, I'd have thrown in uh, some creative because this is more like politics and geography. Yeah. Kind of and, thing. It's, and I have to admit, I'm not strong. I'm not strong. Okay, you know what? <laughs> After the these questions, I'll give you a chance to just throw out uh, some information about okay. uh, your background, kind of like inform my audience. Sure. But yeah, the most popular black country uh, on in the world is Nigeria, actually. Really? Uh, yeah, about 200 million people. Uh, what? 99 percent of them black. Uh-huh. Uh, virtually everyone. Okay, black. I didn't uh, realize that there were that many people in Nigeria. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we haven't done a census for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think the last one we've done was about 140, 150 million. Mm-hmm. But that was a long time ago. Like, so projections now sure. um, put it about yeah. about 200 million people. Okay. Uh, what about the country with the most uh, white population? I'm going to guess somewhere in Europe. <laughs> no, actually. No? No. Um, the opposite. The opposite of Europe? Mm, that in a way. In a way. Like when you think of Europe and like the across the pond basically, where else do you think about? Um across the pond would be somewhere here. Mm-hmm. Um so Canada? Uh close, but no. And you're not gonna give me the answer. Uh, I can give you a hint. Okay, besides Canada. The United you take, States? Yeah, no that's way. it. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow, I did not know that. It is actually. I, I was surprised myself. So um, Europe um, is a continent. No, and there are a lot of countries that have predominantly white population, but none of those countries have the population of the number of white people living in the U.S. Yeah. So the U.S. has a population of uh, of about two hundred forty seven million white people, mm-hmm. which is about seventy seven percent of the whole population. So, I didn't know it was that high of a percentage. Yeah, like it's it's pretty high, I guess. Okay. Yeah, so uh, let me give you a chance to uh, kind of drop some jewels, uh, something that you like to inform us. Uh, it can be from the creative industry, from fashion, uh, something cultural, anything. 
yeah, I mean, I I think my mission here is uh, that I've, what I've spoken about a lot is kind of just on, on the whole, uh, you know, self-betterment thing. That's that's what uh, I always say that my reason for being here is to inspire. I'm hoping that something that I've said has, could inspire somebody to, whether it be pick up a book um, or to reach out to a friend, you know, there's every single one of us has something that uh, we can do to be better, to, to be better for the world that we live in. So, you know, I, I've listed off a, a number of things that help for me, uh, reading friends, therapy, faith, uh, you know, 12-step programs. Um, and I would just I would encourage any of those that I have the opportunity to reach out to, to, you know, find something that helps you. Nice, nice. Well said. Good way to end the podcast. Uh, thank you very much for coming. Uh, you want to like drop your social media or anything if someone wants to reach out sure. to you? Sure. I am uh, at Hello Leash pretty much everywhere. Um, that's Hello, H-E-L-L-O, Leash, L-E-E-S-H. Is that your nickname, Leash? It is. It's become more of my nickname. It was uh, at, at a time, it was uh, my brother was pretty much the only person in my family called me that, Leash, uh, short for Alicia. Um, but now that it's become my social media handle, people know me as Leash a little bit more here and there. I like it. So at Hello Leash. I like it. Okay, guys, thanks for listening. Follow us also on social media. It's Culture Class Podcast everywhere uh, except Twitter. Uh, Twitter is Culture Class Pod. Uh, tell us what you think. Send us an email, cultureclasspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we love to hear from you and receive feedback. All right, till next time, ciao.